0: Good Monday morning, alarm in the skies over DC. A small plane in unauthorized airspace and the pilot unresponsive. It's June 5th, this is today. (music) Scare in the air, a loud sonic boom over Washington after the military scrambles fighter jets to intercept a private plane traveling in restricted airspace. The plane later crashing in Virginia, no survivors. An investigation now underway with more questions than answers this morning. We're live with the latest. Close call, a Chinese warship caught on tape sailing directly across the path of a U.S. Navy destroyer. Just days after this close encounter with an American military plane in the skies. Just ahead, the warnings from both sides about the escalating tensions. Target, Trump, Republican presidential candidates hitting the campaign trail, and the front runner.
1: This is gonna be trench warfare.
0: It is time for a new generational leader. It is time for us to leave the baggage of the past. This morning, inside the intensifying race with even more candidates about to join the field. Honoring Ethan, the mother of one of the University of Idaho victims, joins us live for an exclusive interview, which she wants the world to know about her son and the new way she is honoring his life. All that plus on the stand, Prince Harry set to testify in his battle against the British tabloids. We're live in London with the history that moment will make and a toast to cheers. (laughs) Good
1: afternoon, everybody. No!
0: <laughs> the cast of the beloved sitcom together again after 30 years,
2: you know, it was just easy as pie for me because I just went, oh, awesome joke, awesome <laughs> joke, awesome joke.
0: And everybody still knows their names today, Monday, June 5th, 2023.
2: From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Oda Cuppy live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza
0: Hi everybody good morning welcome to today nice to have you with us cheers Cheers. It's so good to see those faces after the
3: 30 years. I cannot wait to see the like the banter between them. Of course, they're sitting in a beautiful bar as they should <laughs> be, but we look forward to that. Yeah, we'll toast them in a bit, but we want to begin with that scary
0: situation in the skies over Washington. Residents there hearing and feeling several
3: sonic booms. Yeah, the reason behind them, fighter jets and scrambling after a small plane that violated the airspace over the nation's capital. The pilot was not responding to radio calls. Well,
0: that plane later crashed in rural
3: Virginia and officials now say four
0: people were on board, but no survivors have been found in the search. NBC's Tom Costello covers aviation for us. Tom, good morning.
4: Yeah. Good morning. The owner of that plane says he's lost his family, his daughter, his granddaughter, a nanny and the pilot. This was a moment of high drama in Washington, D.C. The president notified as he was playing golf. F-16s scrambled because of sonic booms. They caused sonic booms, I should say, here in D.C. as they tried to catch up with that plane. Scrambled from Joint Base Andrews near Washington Sunday, two F-16 fighter jets racing to intercept a private Cessna Citation jet approaching restricted D.C. airspace. The Air Force pilots radioed the Cessna pilot but got no response.
5: This is an armed air defense fighter on a 121.5. You have been intercepted.
4: On the ground, the sonic booms from the fighter jets rattled the greater D.C. area, shaking homes from Annapolis, Maryland, to Northern Virginia. The thunderous sounds so loud concerned residents called 911. But as the F-16s approached the runaway plane, they could see the pilot appeared unresponsive. The plane had taken off from Tennessee, headed to Long Island, New York, then did an unexplained 180, turning south again as air traffic controllers tried unsuccessfully to raise the pilot and told other planes to stay away. That's when the fighter jets were scrambled.
6: If they were intercepting... uh An aircraft that was
4: doing 70 or 80% of the speed of sound and needed to intercept that uh, aircraft quickly. The only way to do it would be to go ahead uh, and go supersonic to increase the closure rate on the target aircraft. The Air Force pilots tried using flares to get the pilots' attention and continued following the Cessna as it flew over D.C., then into Virginia, where it apparently ran out of fuel and crashed. Our NBC station, WRC, captured these images of the crash scene west of Charlottesville. It was registered to a company in Melbourne, Florida. Owner John Rumpel tells NBC News his daughter, grandchild, a nanny, and pilot were on board. The episode similar to the nineteen ninety-nine private plane crash that killed golf legend Payne Stewart and five others. They became unresponsive after their plane lost oxygen pressure. In a similar situation, a pilot would have just seconds to act. You gotta be on oxygen within five seconds, or you'll begin to lose consciousness. To be clear, we do not know what incapacitated the pilot. Was it some sort of a medical emergency? Was it a loss of oxygen pressure in the cabin? NORAD says it did not shoot down this plane. So now the NTSB and the FAA are investigating. Savannah?
0: Well, we did see there that fighter jets intercepted the plane. So what does exactly that mean?
4: It means that essentially it's a warning, trying to escort a plane out of restricted airspace. But the actual protocols for potentially shooting down a plane, those are classified, we're not privy to those. However, we are told because of the altitude of this plane, 34,000 feet, it overflew D.C., and yes, this is restricted airspace, but it was well above any posing any threat to the city so that may be one reason why they simply escorted it on out into virginia
3: Mm, tragic situation and a scare there too as well tom thank you let's move now to an incident that's further escalating tensions between the united states and china a chinese warship came stunningly close to a u.s navy destroyer in the south china sea over the weekend a collision narrowly avoided nbc's janice Mackey frayer joins us from beijing hey janice good morning
6: Good morning, Hoda. This is the second close call between militaries in a week, this time in the Taiwan Strait. But it boiled over to Singapore, where the U.S. and Chinese defense chiefs were at the same security conference, and they accused each other's militaries of provocation. A close encounter in the Taiwan Strait, the Defense Department releasing this video that it says shows a Chinese warship almost running into an American destroyer on Saturday, coming within 150 yards of it, forcing the ship to slow down to avoid a collision. The Navy ship had been conducting a joint military exercise with a Canadian frigate between Taiwan and mainland China. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin calling on China's leaders to, quote, rein in that kind of conduct. Accidents can happen that could cause things to spiral out of control. China's defense minister then blaming American provocations by even being in the area. Uh, telling the U.S. to, quote, mind your own business and take good care of your own people, Navy vessels and jets, all of it prompting a warning from the U.S. We do not seek conflict or confrontation, but we will not flinch in the face of bullying or coercion. These close calls are happening more often, the latest last week over the South China Sea, when a Chinese fighter jet flew across the nose of an American surveillance plane in a maneuver the U.S. called aggressive. Earlier this year, NBC News was on board a U.S. Navy aircraft intercepted by a Chinese jet that flew 500 feet off the wing for over an hour. China is saying it will continue to take necessary measures to protect sovereignty and security. U.S.-China relations have hit new lows since the U.S. shot down that Chinese balloon in February, and Taiwan remains a flashpoint. The lines of communication are still largely cut off. Tension is ramping higher, and both defense chiefs at that security summit warned publicly that going to war would be, quote, unbearable. Hoda?
3: Yeah. All right. Janice Mackey-Frayer for us here in Beijing. Janice, thank you. This
0: is shaping up to be an important week in the 2024 presidential race. The Republican field set to grow again. While the frontrunner Donald Trump does face more legal troubles, NBC's chief White House correspondent Kristen walker has got the latest. Kristen, good morning.
7: Hi, Savannah. Good morning to you. The GOP primary is heating up this week with former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and former Vice President Mike Pence poised to enter the race. And it comes amid yet another new development in the legal battles facing the Republican frontrunner, former President Trump. Today, the Justice Department's investigation into former President Trump's handling of classified documents may be at a turning point, with the grand jury that has been hearing evidence in the case expected to meet again this week, according to multiple people familiar with the investigation. If special counsel Jack Smith decides to indict Mr. Trump, it would be the first time a former president has been charged with a federal crime. Mr. Trump has denied any wrongdoing, arguing he had the right to keep classified material at his Mar-a-Lago estate.
2: I took the documents. I'm allowed to. Everything I did was right. We have the Presidential Records Act, which I abided by 100 percent.
7: The former president is also under investigation for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election by the Justice Department and prosecutors in Georgia. And in New York, he's pleaded not guilty to felony charges of falsifying business records, with his trial set to begin next March. Mr. Trump remains the overwhelming Republican frontrunner for 2024, trailed by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, campaigning in South Carolina over the weekend, taking aim again at Mr. Trump's claim that he can fix the country in six months.
1: Don't let anyone tell you they can do this in 24 hours or in six months or anything like that. Uh, This is going to be trench warfare.
7: Mr. Trump also facing criticism from his former U.N. ambassador, Nikki Haley, who's also running over the January 6th attack on the Capitol. He thinks it was a beautiful day. I think it was a terrible day. I'll always stand by that. And the candidates lashing out at Mr. Trump this weekend over his recent praise of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, including his former vice president, Mike Pence, who's expected to announce his campaign in Des Moines, Iowa, this week.
4: Whether it's my former running mate or anyone else, no one should be praising the dictator in North Korea.
7: Also entering the race, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who's set to kick off his run in New Hampshire tomorrow, according to two sources familiar with his plans. And the question becomes, looking forward, who starts to take the toughest shots against the former president? Guys, back to you. Kristen Walker, thank you so much. Chief White House correspondent, mm-hmm.
0: Saturday anchor mm-hmm. of Weekend Today, and now we can announce new <laughs> moderator.
3: Come on, girl! Of Meet the press.
0: <laughs> go, 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 Chris. Our dear friend Chuck Todd has decided to step yes. down and hand the baton to one of the most capable and wonderful mm. and best colleagues we have, <laughs> Kristen. Congrats!
3: We're so proud of uh, Kristen.
7: Thank you so so much. I just want to thank you all for being so supportive, my Today Show family. You guys have been so supportive of me. Always. And in this moment, I'm so grateful. This is truly the honor of my life. I mean, Meet the Press is one of the most important political broadcasts in history. And I just feel so grateful and humble to all of those who built this amazing legacy. I'm thinking about Martha Roundtree, Tim Russert, and of course, My mentor, Chuck Todd, who taught me just about everything I know about politics, I'm just so fortunate, proud, and I just feel so truly humbled that after nearly a decade of serving as moderator, an extraordinary body of work that
3: Chuck is the one passing the baton on to me. Oh, wow. Well, Kristen, I did a crosstalk with Philadelphia today, and those anchors in Philly were, oh. they were—they had their pom poms out for you. Those are <laughs> old stopping grounds. So they were real proud of you, too. Congratulations. Congratulations, uh, Kristen. Well done. It's going to be in really good hands. All right. Thank you to all of you. So appreciate it. Thank you. Got you got it. All right. We've got 12 minutes past the hour. Let's bring in Craig with
1: some more news. It is nice yeah. when the good guys finish. Uh-huh. Uh, good morning, Savannah Hoda. Good morning to you as well. New fighting now raging in Ukraine with Russian officials saying its forces thwarted a large-scale assault by Ukrainian forces overnight. And it comes just one day after Ukraine's president announced his troops were ready for its much-anticipated counteroffensive. NBC's Molly Hunter joins us with more. Molly, good morning to you.
8: Craig, good morning to you. And we've been watching closely more signs today that that Ukrainian counteroffensive may be progressing. But Ukrainian officials have long said they will not be announcing or confirming a start date. This morning, Russia has claimed they repelled a major offensive in the Donetsk region. For months, Ukraine's allies have been watching for Ukraine to launch a rumored spring counteroffensive to take back land now occupied by Russia. But Ukraine has continued to be vague about when that might happen. Overnight, Russia releasing this drone video, the Russian Ministry of Defense says shows Russian troops thwarting a Ukrainian attack, destroying armored vehicles. But NBC News could not independently verify those reports, the strategic arm of the Ukrainian military cautioning over Russian unreliable information, saying Russian propagandists will spread false information about the counteroffensive, its directions and the losses of the Ukrainian army. Over the weekend, the Ukrainian military releasing this video. The Minister of Defense, quoting Depeche Mode, "Words are very unnecessary. They can only do harm." But President Zelensky kicking the speculation into high gear, telling the Wall Street Journal, "Ukraine is ready to launch the counteroffensive."
4: Я вважаю, що на сьогодні ми готові вже це робити. Ми деякі речі, просто мати, але ми не можемо чекати на місяці. Uh, we really in I know we
8: Over the weekend, a devastating attack in the southern Ukrainian city of Dnipro. More than 20 injured, including five children, after a Russian missile slammed into residential buildings. As rescuers frantically searched, officials said the body of a two-year-old girl was pulled from the rubble. Guys, the sirens have just started here in Kharkiv. You can hear those. But that little girl, that two-year-old toddler pulled from the rubble in Dnipro, one of 500 children who have been killed in the war so far, according to President Zelensky. We do also have some new numbers about Russia's aerial bombardment. According to the U.K. Defense Ministry, 300 Russian drones have been fired at Ukraine just in the month of May. Guys?
1: Molly Hunter, as those sirens rage in the background. Molly, stay safe. Thank you. If you are planning
0: to hit the road this summer, it might cost you a little more. Saudi Arabia is slashing its oil supply by one million barrels a day in July. That is the nation's lowest oil production in two years, and the result could mean higher gas prices for Americans, at least in the short term. It's unknown whether or not Saudi Arabia will extend those cuts beyond July.
3: All right. 16 minutes past the hour. The perfect time to say hello to Al, but it's always the perfect
2: time right now. I like to think so. It's always perfect time to say good morning to you and good morning to you all. Hope you had a great weekend. So here's what we've got right now. We've got what we call an Omega block. Looks like the Greek letter, the Omega. Got low pressure off the uh, uh, California coast. It's cool out west. Chilly here in the northeast with this low, but big area of high pressure. Hot in the south. Warm in the Midwest. We are going to be looking at scattered showers here and there. You can see them wrapping around this low pressure system. Uh, Some shower and thunderstorms down through the plains and a little on the wet side in parts of the west. So here's what we are looking at. Cooler conditions along the east coast. Wilmington, 78. Atlantic, 65 degrees. Atlantic City, that's uh, 10 degrees below average. But look at Indianapolis, 86. Minneapolis, 91. Memphis, 94 degrees. The heat continues tomorrow from Minneapolis down to Little Rock. Still chilly here in the northeast. And then as we get into the latter part of the week, temperatures do moderate. Warming up into the 80s in Raleigh, Knoxville, 80s, 90s in Memphis. Air quality alerts for 32 million people from Minneapolis to Dallas, Houston. A mix of ozone and wildfire smoke coming out of Quebec, Canada. You can see how widespread this is going to be tomorrow from Boston, Ottawa, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis and just reaching into Chicago. And that's your latest weather. Guys?
0: Alright, Al, all. thank you so yeah. much. Coming up at Today Exclusive. Tied to the tragic killings at the University of Idaho, the family of one of the victims, Ethan Chapin, finding new ways to honor his life while coping with enormous loss. We will sit down with Ethan's mom and talk about the special new way she is honoring her son just ahead.
3: Plus, uh, Prince Harry's back in the spotlight with the Royals' ongoing battle with British tabloids heading for a courtroom showdown. We're live in London with the latest and the history Harry will make when he takes the stand. But first, this is Today on NBC. Let's look at our beautiful plaza. Can't wait to go out and
1: say hello to the folks on this gorgeous day in just a little bit. Lots to get to in this half hour, starting with a high-profile case that we have been following here today.
0: Yes, as the families of the four University of Idaho students who were killed last fall cope with this unimaginable grief, they are also finding touching ways to remember and honor their loved ones. In a moment, we're going to talk to Ethan Chapin's mom, Stacy. But first, a closer look at the case and their tributes. More than six months have passed since the murders at King Road, when Ethan Chapin, his girlfriend, Zanna Kernodal, and best friends, Madison Mogan and Kaylee Gonsalves were found stabbed to death in this house near the University of Idaho campus. A tense manhunt and weeks of painful waiting for the victims' families followed before police arrested their suspect in late December.
10: Brian, Brian, you
0: it! Brian Koberger was pursuing his Ph.D. in criminal justice at Washington State University just miles from the scene of the murders. Investigators say DNA evidence, cell phone records, and video surveillance link him to the scene that night. Koberger's trial is set for October, the judge entering a plea of not guilty for the four murders after Koberger declined to enter one himself. Ethan Chapin's family has watched from afar while holding close their memories of a beloved son and brother.
4: He loved everybody and everybody loved him. Everybody wanted to be around him.
0: Ethan's parents, Stacy and Jim Chapin, are honoring him through a foundation named Ethan's Smile. It gives scholarships to local students to attend
5: the University of Idaho. That kid has touched more lives. We say in our family, if we touch as many lives as he did in his 20 years, this world would be a better place. Ethan was a triplet.
0: His two siblings still attend the university. This May, graduation ceremonies were bittersweet as the school awarded Ethan a posthumous certificate. And now, Stacy Chapin has written a children's book about Ethan called The Boy Who Wore Blue. A portion of the profits will also go to the foundation, Ethan's Smile. Okay. And Stacey Chapin joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning. It's hard to watch those images of your beloved boy. How are you doing? It's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it
5: is. It's good, though. I mean, I, all things considered, we... We're doing very well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He was a triplet. He has a brother and sister. How are
5: they doing? Uh, I, Jim and I couldn't be more proud of them, to be honest with you. They went back to school. They had a wonderful, they finished successfully this semester. Mm -hmm. Um, And now they're back at work Mm -hmm. in a place that they love. And we've called summer home for a long time. So they're in a safe, great environment. And they're doing amazing. I am, I'm so proud of them. I, it's amazing. I think people are about to find out what an extraordinary family you have, yeah. Stacy, mm-hmm. and what an
0: extraordinary boy Ethan was. You've written this book. It's called The Boy Who Wore Blue. <laughs> yes. Tell me about writing it and, and what made you decide to write this story?
5: Um it started with um my best friend sent me a news release that was um that an author had been been given the rights to the story to tell of these kids, and I you know, as a mom, you're like, well, how does somebody write a story about people that they don't know right and, and it it di- right about my kid? yeah, I'm the one who's raised him, Jim and I, and um it just sparked something in me, and the only thing i can I explain to people how the book came about is it's, I mean, I think it's like a country artist who goes through a breakup and writes their greatest hit. It literally just came to me in the middle of the night. It's Ethan's song. It's, it's everything. Yeah. It's the best I can do for him. I love the boy who wore blue.
0: You had triplets mm-hmm. and you've learned in the, in the book that in, when they were little, they used to each wear a color. They did. And that's how you told them yes. apart when they were babies. And mm-hmm. he was the one who wore blue. He was the blue. He was a very special young man. Everybody says mm-hmm. it. Tell me about him.
5: Yeah. Um, he was that way from the very beginning. To be honest, he was born happy. <laughs> um, he was he he was just magnanimous, kind of. I don't know really how to explain it. What's what we find more interesting is. How many lives he touched that we didn't even know existed? It's incredible. I mean, I tell people if I touch as many lives in my lifetime as he did in 20 years, he just warmed every room. He had a wonderful smile. You hear in those stories now, people are oh, yeah. calling you and saying, "I remember when Ethan yes. did this or that." Yes, or strangers. Yeah, the strangers have been amazing who have come up to us, and it always started the same way. You know, you don't know me, but I have the story to tell you. Yeah. What does that
0: do for you? Is it comforting? Is it hard to kind of share your grief with this high profile story? And it's so public.
5: (sighs) We learned a very, I mean, our family has always tried to help everybody. And we came upon the Sigma Chi boys the morning morning. After, and in that moment, we realized that not only you know that that it wasn't just—I mean, our family healed one way, but everybody needed to heal from this, and we saw it in that in an instant, kind of um, seeing all of his friends, and it's it's just gone from there. It's it's literally I, we've been reached by people across the world, and. It just, I don't, we can see that everybody needs to heal from it and it feels good. You
0: have extraordinary strength. You and your husband Mm -hmm. seem to have this resolve. You say, if people want to talk to you about it, it's okay to talk about. It's not the elephant in the room. Yes, You want to talk about Ethan. Yes. Where does that come from? That strength when you're dealing with the unimaginable?
5: We just decided that, um, I mean, it has its moments, of course. Right. Um, But we get up every morning and we just decided that the best thing we can do is put our best foot forward, mostly for Maisie and Hunter. They deserve it. I mean, they didn't deserve this. Um, And so they deserve still the best life that we can give them. And and that is really our strength that drives us. We literally get up and, you know, have coffee and then say, all right, we're going to.
0: Go forward. I was so struck by something you wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on social media earlier this year. You said, We spend no time being angry. Mm-hmm. That would be energy not well spent. Yep. And it still wouldn't change the outcome. Yep. We have to look ahead. Yes. That's your philosophy. Yes.
5: It doesn't change the outcome. Even, you know, even looking at ahead at the, you know, the trial coming up in October now, we choose to not, it, it does not change the outcome of our family and its energy that we need to put into healing our kids and, um, you know, getting back to a new family dynamic and working on that. And so we let the process, prosecutors do their job and we do our job in our family. Do you think you'll come to the trial and no. attend it? No. Nope. Yeah. Too hard um it, it doesn't change the outcome yeah it just is energy that doesn't feel like it's well spent yeah. you know there's other places to put it so. ethan as we said was such an
0: extraordinary young man one of those light at the room type of people yeah what would you want the world to know about him now they know his name what do you right. want them to know about him
5: Honestly, it's I think the world sees it in the photos. I mean, you know, it's be, he's become this just look at him. We're looking at his pictures. <laughs> I, he was just the greatest kid. Everybody loved him. He was warm. He was inclusive. He was the kid you wanted to hang out with you know anywhere he was he would play any sport he'd play any cribbage game i mean he just was always game to participate in anything with a big smile and a warm heart Mm -hmm. he was kind well yeah
0: we can see where he gets a lot of those attributes from Mm -hmm. your family a wonderful supportive family and i just have to show people you have (laughs) the most beautiful new tattoo on your arm can we show it it's his handwriting i love you mom can you send that it's beautiful from mccarty (laughs) from mccarty gave you yeah yeah stacy thank you so much highly encourage people to hear ethan's story the boy who wore blue Yep, as his mother tells it. Yep. Stacy. Thank, thank you, you so much. And you can find out more about the book and other ways that Stacy and Jim, her husband, are honoring Ethan's memory. It's on our website today.com. Craig, over to you.
1: All right, SG, thank you. Thank you, Stacy. Coming up, a powerful, inspiring America story. We are going to meet a woman who turned her life around after serving time. She's now devoting herself to helping others do the same. First up, Prince Harry returning to London and taking on the British tabloids. We'll take you inside that highly anticipated trial, just getting underway, in fact, and the royal history that will be made when Harry does take the stand. A live report from London right after this.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained.
10: To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops on.
0: We are back. 743. New developments this morning in Prince Harry's longstanding battle with the British tabloids. Yes,
1: there are several pending legal cases against publications accused of invading the royals' privacy with illegal methods like hacking and hiring dozens of private investigators to spy on him. And today, the first trial gets underway.
3: It is. NBC's Megan Fitzgerald is in London with the very latest. Hey, Megan, good morning.
10: Guys, good morning. Look, the morning got off to a rocky start. The judge not happy that Prince Harry was not in court this morning in the event that there was time at the end of the day to call witnesses. Now, his attorney said he flew in late last night from Los Angeles after attending his daughter's second birthday and that he will be in court first thing tomorrow. Uh, but look, I can tell you the anticipation here is mounting as Prince Harry prepares for cross-examination. This morning, Prince Harry gearing up for a royal fight in court becoming the first British royal to testify in a trial in more than a century. The Prince is one of several celebrities suing Mirror Group newspapers for unlawful information gathering between 1991 and 2011, including allegations of illegal phone hacking.
9: Well, uh, this is going to be momentous. I mean, it is a sort of courtroom drama with a royal soap opera thrown into the mix. Um, You know, we're going to see um, Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex, in a courtroom in the High Court being cross-examined for two days.
10: Harry alleges that press intrusion into his privacy caused huge distress and paranoia, put unnecessary stress and strain on his relationship with a former girlfriend, and presented very real security concerns. Concerns Harry and Meghan say haven't stopped to this day. The couple's spokesperson saying early last month they were pursued by paparazzi in what they called a near catastrophic car chase through New York City. The NYPD played down the allegations but it's that type of invasion royal experts say the couple is trying to change the mirror group newspaper pushing back against the allegations while they have apologized and admitted its journalists obtained information illegally in the past they deny claims in the lawsuit that suggest the practices were widespread and that senior executives knew it was happening And guys, with that back-to-back bombshell revelations with Prince Harry's memoir, and then, of course, with the Netflix docu-series, there are reports now that Meghan and and Harry are trying to do more of a a low profile. Uh, But with Harry testifying tomorrow, I can tell you he will be dominating headlines. We've been speaking with legal experts who say, look, uh, the biggest thing they're trying to do here is attack his credibility. Guys.
3: All right, uh, Megan Fitzgerald for us there in London. Megan, thank you.
0: Testifying is not that pleasant of an experience Mm-mm. is my guess. Mm-hmm. Al, what you got? Do you have a pleasant forecast for
2: Well, uh, depending on where you are, yes, we go with pleasant. That's a lot, very lovely. We, we consider it a low-profile forecast. Uh, we got some smoke and haze around the Great Lakes into the northeast. Strong storms down through the southeast. Heavier rain down through Cal, uh, Texas. We're looking at that warmth continuing out west, but cooler along the southwest coast. And that is your latest weather. Cass. All right, Al. Thank you. Coming up, guys, you know the sports story that's out there. Everybody's talking yeah. about it. Rose Zhang. remember that name? This yeah. is a 20-year-old golf phenom who's drawing comparisons to Tiger Woods. Now she just won her professional debut. That hasn't happened since 1951. Wow. When wow. someone went into their first match and won the whole thing, we'll have her uh, what live with speak? us.
0: Right here with us live.